Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Steve Anderson, author of The Culture of Success, 10 Natural Laws for Creating the Place Where Everyone Wants to Work. In a low unemployment economy, recruiting and retaining the best talent is a constant effort. Steve is here to share the secrets to developing one of the most powerful competitive advantages for your business that is nearly impossible for anyone else to copy. And they can't compete with it either. Sound good? Well, we'll hear all about it in just a minute. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. You sure are. Hey, Mark, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Do you know why I'm doing fantastic? Why is that? Because it's Friday. Yep, it and is. It's your birthday. <laughs> it is my birthday today. How about that? It's yes. not going to be my birthday when this airs, but it's okay. Yeah, but it is now. So we, we'll just add that little um, air of uh, <laughs> celebration into the whole thing. Eh? Woohoo, woohoo. You know, so this is going to be a good one today. It's a very nice birthday present for yes. me because I love Steve Anderson. He's a very smart, awesome guy to talk to and excited to think about what he's going to share with us. You know, he gives us so much good stuff when we are with him at our peer group meetings that uh, it's kind of fun to be able to bring him onto the show and let him talk to all of you, all of our, all of our listening audience yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, shall we get it started? We shall. Author, entrepreneur, and philanthropist Stephen J. Anderson has worked with tens of thousands of professional and business people to grow and expand their businesses. Today, he's going to share secrets for developing a competitive advantage, nearly impossible for any competitor to copy. And we're going to hear all about that. So welcome, Steve. Victoria, well, thank you and excited to be here with you. Thanks for having me today. Certainly. You know, some of our listening audience might remember that you were one of the speakers at our summit a few years back and did a fantabulous job. That's right. Um, In fact, that was a gorgeous venue, as I recall, and I enjoyed being with everybody very much. Good, good. Well, so now we get to a whole lot of new members that are part of this. They're going to hear from you for about the first time. So this is a great way to start. So you wrote a book. The Culture of Success, and tell me a little bit about how you got started on that and and what the culture of success really is. So we work, uh, we work with businesses um, all over the country, all over the world, and doing much the same as what you do at Remodeler's Advantage, which is trying to create systems that can be leveraged to grow the business and help the business be more successful. And one of the biggest deceptions is when you sit down and look at your own profit and loss statement, uh, you have income and you have expense, you have assets and liabilities. And one of the biggest mistakes is looking at that profit and loss statement. And one of the expense items is staffing. In fact, for most businesses, Mm -hmm. it's one of the biggest expenses. And in business, if we're not careful, we spend a lot of time talking about how to manage staff expense. And what I prefer to do, if I could reorganize the financial statements in a business, Mm -hmm. I would love to take that expense line and move it from the income and expense statement over to the balance sheet and put it 
in the asset column ah. because it is the most important asset than any business has. It is the most difficult thing to copy. It's the most difficult. It is the, the biggest compelling advantage that almost any business has if they know how to manage it correctly. And so here's how we define culture. So culture is the combination of priorities and processes. For starters, let me, I'm going to expand on this in just a minute, but let's talk about those two words real quick. Priorities are what the things that matter to you the most. So if we were to take your values, your beliefs, and prioritize those, what matters most to you as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a business, because that's what drives the business. So that's the first thing you have to define is what are your priorities? What are your beliefs? What matters most to you? Okay, so priorities. And then number two is processes. Okay, so then what are the systems that you put in place in your business to execute on those priorities that reflect the things that you believe in the most? So those are two critical components of culture, priorities and processes. Now, you can, and I'll finish that definition in just a moment. So those two things, every business has priorities and processes Mm -hmm. either by default or by definition. Mm -hmm. So if it happens by default, it just kind of happens. You don't really focus on it. It just kind of evolves versus doing it on purpose and defining those in writing and clearly looking at what you believe in and the systems that you put in place to execute. Okay. So priorities and processes, and then how the people in the organization act on those two things every day. Okay. So how, how do the people in the organization act on the values, the priorities and on the processes? Mm-hmm. So Priorities, processes, and then execution, how the people execute on those things every day. Mm -hmm. Those things, that's what defines your culture. So for most, what we found is that, you know, every organization has a culture. Mm -hmm. Most, it just kind of evolves and it happens by default. We hold that it should happen by definition, that you work on it, you create a culture by design not by default. And there are specific things you can do to make that happen. So what, when you're talking about an organizational culture, what is one of the most overlooked parts? So uh, one of the things where I like to start in any development process uh, before we even get to the action part is I like to go drill all the way down to what are the truths. I call them natural laws that make everything work. So uh, everything that I do starts with some truth or some principle, and then we build on those principles. We build out the systems and and the things to to take advantage of those natural laws. So let me share one with you that is at at the core of culture. So I call it the law of emotion. And the law of emotion says that we make decisions emotionally first, and then we justify that emotional decision with logic in that order. Now, mm-hmm. there's a ton of science behind this that proves mm-hmm. it, that, that we are wired first emotionally. It's, it's a defense mechanism that we have as human beings. So we make decisions emotionally, 
we justify it with logic. And we're constantly doing this. We're, we're constantly trying to justify why we've done what we've done or why we feel the way that we feel. Even if we're doing it consciously or unconsciously, it's going on all the time. So a quick example of this. Um, there, there was a, a, a process that evolved several years ago. It started in New York City. Uh, it was called a thing called speed dating. Now that, that's not dating on drugs. <laughs> this, was, this was an efficient way for young single professionals who did not have time to date, uh, an efficient way for them to vet prospects in a very short period of time so they wouldn't have to, to waste a lot of time with somebody they, didn't really, they weren't really interested in. So this was, pre, this was pre-internet, pre-app. So the system was that they designed was they'd have these events They'd rent a, a back room at a restaurant. They'd invite a group of people. They'd set up banquet tables, guys on one side, girls on the other. They'd spend about six minutes talking to the person in front of them, <clears throat> and then they'd switch six minutes with the next person. They'd do that 10 to 12 times. And then they were given a ballot. They got to vote for the person they wanted to spend more time with. So if the votes matched, so if your vote matched someone else's vote, then it's a date. Right. So in about an hour, you got the opportunity to vet <laughs> 10 to 12 people. It's what they call speed dating. So it gained a tremendous amount of popularity. It still is very popular today. Uh, it's even been turn- turned into an app or apps. And uh, so the sociologists got involved. And one of the things that they determined is they studied this process is that the decision that most people were making within the first six seconds did not change after six minutes. Hmm. So in other words, they made an initial gut decision consciously or subconsciously. And then they spent the rest of the time trying to justify why they <laughs> felt the way they did. Okay. So we make decisions emotionally and then we, and then we try and justify why we feel the way we do. Mm-hmm. So one of the most important aspects of culture, let's just dial that back now, is that law that culture by and large, we can, we can put the building blocks in it. But at the end of the day, the culture is how your team and the people that interact with your team, how they feel about your organization. Mm -hmm. So how do the people that work with you, how do they feel about your company? How do your customers feel about the interaction and, and every time that they do business with you, it's an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. They would never describe it that way. But at the end of the day, that's really what's going on is do people like the culture? Do they like themselves better when they're interacting with you? Or every time there's an interaction, does their stomach turn into knots Mm -hmm. and and they don't enjoy the interaction? Mm -hmm. Culture is at the end of the day, how people feel about your organization and doing business with you on an ongoing basis. So if you recognize that for starters, that intangible that we can make tangible, that 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 is the reason that people repeat and refer. You have to deliver on the promise. You have to do what you say you'll do and deliver a good product. And beyond that, then it is the reason that people repeat and refer and keep coming back and tell everybody about you is that intangible culture that you've created in your organization. Steve, I love everything you were just saying there. It's the law of emotions, a huge piece of uh, the marketing pie as well, right? It's one of those biggest mistakes I see people try to do with their marketing is just give facts and and logic-based reasons to make decisions, and it just doesn't fly there either. Um, 
So I wanted to dive in real quick. Uh, how, what, what suggestions do you have for, for creating a more compelling culture then? So here's, here's the biggest gap is, like I said before, you either have a culture by default or you have it by design. And, and I vote for doing it by design. Now, we talked about priorities and processes. Uh, most every organization that I've ever dealt with and worked with, they have policies and procedures. They have an employee manual. They work on their systems, and all those things are contributing factors to the culture. I'd like to suggest an additional piece, and I'm going to be very specific here on what I'm going to challenge everyone to do, is something that we rarely see in an organization before we work with them. Mm -hmm. So let me, let me give this in context of a case study. So um, I got a couple of hobbies. One, um, I love speed, uh, not the drug, but <laughs> going fast. So I love to ride motorcycles. Um, I love speed on the water. So I love to wakeboard and water ski and, and, and water surf. And one of my favorite hobbies is I love to collect organizations. So I love to find organizations that do things remarkably well and then figure out how they do what they do that can be copied that other organizations can copy. So this, I'm going to share with you a fascinating uh, organizational case study that is an example of one of the most remarkable organizational turnarounds, perhaps, in history. Mm -hmm. So this is an organization that had gone into what I call multi-generational decline. They've been, they've been around for a long time, and things had just gotten progressively worse. So in an effort to turn the organization around, new leadership was put in place, and one of the very first things the new leadership did was they codified the new culture. In other words, they defined what they wanted the new organizational culture to be, and they put it in writing. And they were very simple cultural rules that they put in place. So, for example, <clears throat> one of the first rules was follow the leader. In other words, we're going to put an organization in place, and for the organization to be successful, everybody needs to support the structure that we put in place. That doesn't mean you always have to agree with them, but you have to subscribe to the, the organization that we put in place. Uh, another rule was dump your junk, meaning we're going to leave the old organization behind. We're moving forward with a new culture uh, and a new vision. So you got to leave the old stuff behind. We got to move ahead. Um, another one was respect others' roles and responsibilities. We all have roles and responsibilities. We got a place. You got to you got to respect that. You have to uh, support it. Another one was show up. Show up for the important stuff. We have events, we have things that we put in place, and, and those events are like glue that holds the organization together, and so forth. So there were a number of these rules that they put in place. They put them in writing, and then they reinforced them on a regular basis. <clears throat> so those rules then were responsible for one of the biggest organizational turnarounds in history, probably one of the most written about most famous organizations in history that almost went extinct. 
So what was the organization? It was the children of Israel. It was an entire nation, the nation of Israel. You've, you've read about it. It was written up in a very wow. famous book, kind of boring cover, but it was a big story. <laughs> Who was the leader? The leader was Moses, one of, the, one of the most written about CEOs in history. Take the religion out of it for a moment. Mm-hmm. Just look at it as an organization. What were the rules? Well, the rules were the Ten Commandments. Oh. The Ten Commandments were the cultural boundaries or rules that were put in place early on that then enabled that culture to grow and and survive. So let's just look at those for just a minute. I mentioned a couple of them. What was the first commandment? Anybody remember this is a Sunday school lesson. First, right? So the first, the first commandment was no other gods before me. Right. Mm -hmm. In other words, it was one leader, one guy in charge, they had come out of a culture that was steeped in polytheism. They had a God for everything, a mm-hmm. God of the sun, the moon, right. the stars, the day, the night. So this was a concept, while you know, we think pretty basic, but in their day, this was a core concept to say, okay, one leader. Uh, another one that was no idol worship. What was that about? That was about leaving the junk behind, leaving the old culture behind, because in Egypt, they worshipped all kinds of idols. So to say no idol worship, that was a departure from the old culture. We're leaving that behind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another one was honor the Sabbath day, right? Keep the Sabbath day holy. What was that? That was about showing up for the important stuff. Every seven days, we're going to get together and we are going to reinforce the cultural values that are important to us so we never forget them and so forth. Mm-hmm. There are 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's the takeaway. The takeaway is to define your culture in writing. You can't define every aspect of it, but like was done in ancient Israel, what I highly recommend is that you sit down and that you you codify your culture. So let me give you a quick personal example. Uh, Years ago, uh, we moved the headquarters of our company about 350 miles from South Texas to Dallas-Fort Worth. And there are a number of reasons for that, but we moved to Dallas Metroplex. So built a new office. Uh, most of the team relocated. We hired some new team members. Uh, and so anybody that has built out new space and moved, there's kind of an air of excitement and mm-hmm. starting over and, and uh, a new beginning. So we had built out our office. We're in the first couple of weeks in this new space. We had added, added some additional team members. And, and in that time we had, we had the habit of meeting every week on Monday morning at 7.45. So uh, I'm, I'm there, you know, early, got everything organized, waiting for the team to arrive. 7.45, no one's there but me. Mm-hmm. 7.50, still waiting. Uh, first person showed up about 7.55, and I think we got started a little bit after 8. Okay, so I'm, I got smoke coming out of my ear. <laughs> Because this is a meeting that's supposed to start at 7.45. And before I said anything, I realized that there was probably a reason that everybody showed up when they did. What was the reason? Well, obviously leadership, hello, me, (laughs) had not done a very good job of communicating the the cultural expectation. Mm -hmm. And so things have just kind of devolved, if you will. So I didn't say a word about it. We had our meeting. And as soon as the meeting was over, I left the office and I had my own uh, Mount Sinai experience. <laughs> and I sat down and wrote out 
the equivalent of our own cultural Ten Commandments. Okay, so these were these actually I wasn't smart enough to keep it to ten. I had like twenty. <laughs> these were behaviors, mm-hmm. internal behaviors that I felt would define the kind of culture that I wanted to work in. So let me give you an example of one or a couple, maybe a couple. So here Come was on. one. Mm-hmm. Had one of the four ones that was high on the list in my first, what I eventually called the culture guide. So it, it said this, be early. Everyone wants to work with a team where everyone can rely on each other. It starts first thing every day. That's why we all agree that when you're early, you're on time. When you're on time, you're late. And when you're late, you're lost. Mm, that's so, good. The new cultural expectation, okay, in writing was now if we're gonna if if the meeting schedule is seven forty five, then the expectation is now that you arrive seven thirty seven thirty five because we're gonna start at seven forty five. Not mm-hmm. try and round everybody up, but but we start right at time. So the only way to be on time is to be early, right? So that became now. Did that happen overnight? Nope. That took a while and reinforcement and talking about it so that everybody understood what the cultural behavior was that was accepted. So now the culture is people get there early, they talk, they converse. We have plenty of, of you know, social time before we start our weekly meetings. So that by the time, you know, the start time starts, we, everybody is engaged, ready to go. We go, they're not, they're not wandering in. Let me give you another one. Um, th- there is... I don't think there's anything worse as a leader than trying to clean up stuff that one of your team members messed up. Mm. In other words, uh, a customer calls and asks a question and a team member that you have doesn't know the right answer. So they just make something up. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so a customer calls and says, is my remodeling work guaranteed? Well, you may have never talked about a guarantee, but you know what? They're trying to keep the customer happy. So yeah, we're, it's guaranteed, right? And then something happens. <laughs> yeah. He calls back and said, you know what? Mark told me mm-hmm. that, that the work was guaranteed. And then leadership has to clean it up, right? So that's just a hypothetical example. So here's, here's another cultural expectation. If you don't know, don't say. Mm-hmm. We strive to be honest in all of our interactions with each other and our customers, even when it's not convenient. Occasionally, you may be asked about something you have never heard about or that you're unclear about. If in doubt, just say you don't know, but you'll be happy to find out. Just tell the truth. That way, you'll never have to try and remember what you said. Okay, so that's an example of now a behavioral expectation Mm -hmm. in the culture. So in the original culture guide, there was like 20 of these Ah. that I wrote out. So I wrote them all out. Then I went back to the team and we sat down and I said, okay, here's the deal is I've written out the kind of an organization that where I want to work and I want to share these with you. And I want to see if this sounds like the kind of an organization where you want to work and let's edit this together and let's add to it. You can contribute. And then this will give us the framework for how we interact with each other so that we can create the kind of place where we all want to come every day to work together. Now, here's here's what I would say about this. And this is going to sound a little bit like heresy. So listen very carefully to what I say. I don't believe in having a customer-centered organization or business. 
I do not believe the customer comes first. Mm-hmm. Now, here's why. And that may sound, you, you may not, you may choose not to broadcast this podcast. <laughs> but here's been my experience is I've gone into so many customer centric businesses where everybody's stumbling all over themselves, you know, to, to serve the customer where the internal culture is toxic that it's very difficult for anybody to concentrate on serving the customer because there's so much background noise going on in the organization that they can't focus on what they're there to do. So in, in my book, customer comes second, right? So team comes first, our culture, how we interact with each other, that's the first customer. And then if that's in place, then it frees us up to serve our end customer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes total right? so sense. Culture, mm-hmm. Culture comes first. So this, in my mind, becomes one of the most important things you can do is define your culture. And here's my challenge is to create your own culture guide, Mm -hmm. right? Sit down and and write it out, what your cultural expectations, what the behavioral expectations are of your team. This is not something that you see in a policy and procedure manual. It's not something that you see in an employee manual. Uh, It's not something you ever see in an employee agreement. This is a separate standalone thing that defines your culture. Um, We recommend that you hire with it, so that when you, before you extend an offer, you share your culture guide with a prospective team member and you say, these, this is the culture we strive for. We're not, we're not perfect. We don't always do it, but this is what we strive for. And if we invite you onto our team, this is what we would expect you to strive. Mm-hmm. We'd expect for you to strive for the same thing. I have never met anyone who didn't want a great work environment. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you ask a perspective team member, a perspective hire about the work environment. Everybody always says that they want a great work environment. I've never met anybody who says, ah, work environment doesn't matter to me. Just pay me well and abuse me. You know, <laughs> they, right. they never say that. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants a great work environment. Yet rarely do we talk about what it takes to have a great work environment, what it takes to have a great culture. Culture starts with every individual on the team and how they interact. So creating a culture guide becomes one of the building blocks that will help you do that. Now, before we get done, I'd like to talk, I'd like to provide a resource that'll help make it really, really easy to create your own culture guide. But that is the challenge I'd give to everybody today. One of the most fundamental things you can do that will transform your culture and create a culture mm-hmm. by design. Is it, It's sort of bringing it into one's consciousness, bringing it into everyone's consciousness. You got it. Okay. So what are some of the biggest culture mistakes that most organizations make? Um, not paying attention to it, letting it, letting it happen by default. Well, is so, that always um, a bad thing? Uh, it's letting it happen by default is okay if you've done it by design. <laughs> okay. So um, I, entropy, so this is another natural law. It's the second law of thermodynamics. It is a natural law of physics. Basically says that matter gravitates to its lowest, most disorganized state. Things come unraveled all the time, including cultures. Uh They come unraveled. So unless you put energy into the system, it will come unraveled. Uh So you can't, if you have a culture by default, it will come unraveled because it will devolve to the lowest level team member 
whose behavior you allow. Okay. So right. without boundaries, without definition, it will come unraveled. Well, Steve, I'm about to unravel this entire interview with a lightning round. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> and now, here's a Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. Okay, here we go. What's your favorite business book and why? Uh, one of my favorite business books is one that very few people have ever heard about. Um, it was one that was given to me by one of my last uh, professors in business school. Uh, he retired the this last semester that I had him, and he gave his, his uh, business library away. And I asked him to give me the best book he'd ever read. The name of it is How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success Through Selling. It was written about the same time as um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, he was a contemporary of Dale Carnegie's. So there's a lot of overlap between those two pieces of work. Um, everybody's in sales. I'm yep. a big believer in that. You're always selling something. It's an easy read. And it's uh, because of the source and, and where I originally got it from. It's one of my one of my favorite books. The, the author is Frank Betcher. If you weren't an author, speaker and entrepreneur, what do you think you'd be doing? Um, one of you know, one of my passions is the engine that allows all of us to do what we do. And that engine is our health and well-being. Mm -hmm. which is under big threat today. It's now estimated that that two-thirds of America is obese. Uh, we, we are in big trouble. We're one of the most advanced societies in the world, and we're killing ourselves. Mm. And there is so much work to be done in that area to get us back to wellness. Um, it's, it's a hobby of mine. Um, I love it. There's so much to learn, and there's so many uh, breaking things that are coming out almost every day that help us understand better about our health and wellness and well-being. What are you not very good at? So many things. Um, in fact, I'm not good at much of anything. Um, and I've, and that, that's actually a fact. I, I've actually been tested for that. Uh, when I was a junior in high school, uh, my dad and an older brother and I went through the Johnson O'Connor Human Research Foundation's aptitude test. Uh, I highly recommend it. I have, I have recommended that to thousands of people. It's a day and a half's worth of aptitude tests that give you some amazing insight and just kind of naturally what you're good at. I took that as a junior in high school uh, and my, my results came back. I didn't have anything above the 50th percentile. <laughs> I'm good at nothing. I'm an average everyday guy. So answer your question, Mark. Yeah, most things I'm not good at. That's awesome. What is your biggest pet peeve? Ooh, my biggest pet peeve is poor customer service. Ah, yes. You want to yes. get me fired up, baby? <laughs> and who's your favorite Disney princess? Ooh, my favorite Disney princess are, is, is actually one that nobody's ever heard of. It's my six daughters. Uh, <laughs> all six of daughters. Them to be princesses. Yes, awesome. there you go. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for taking part in this. This is it's great to have you on. Now, but before we let you go, I want you to share your five words of wisdom with our listening audience. You got it. 
So this one comes from one of my biggest mentors, uh, my dad, um, who ran the largest ad agency in the Western United States his whole career. I was weaned on a heavy diet of marketing and sales. He coined a phrase for one of his clients decades and decades ago that has become the centerpiece of everything I do professionally. And that phrase was where people mean everything. Mm, Okay. And that really is the essence of a culture is culture is about making people, your team members, your customers, making it the right kind of environment. So creating a kind of an organization where people mean everything. That's awesome. I've given a challenge to everybody today to write your own culture guide. Yes. So here's what I would recommend. Um, I've included a copy of my original culture guide that I wrote in uh, my book entitled The Culture of Success, 10 Natural Laws for Creating the Place Where Everyone Wants to Work. Anybody who has a copy of that book is welcome to plagiarize every word <laughs> of the culture guide that's in the book. Uh, so you're, cause it's, I think it's a lot easier to edit than it is to create from scratch, mm-hmm. right? Yep, me too. So my recommendation would be get a copy of the book, take the culture guide that's in there and then add, you'll find, I think a lot of things that you'll resonate with, add to it, edit it and create your own culture guide. So you can get a copy of the book at the culture of So the culture of uh, you can order that in, either in print, electronically, or you can get an audio version of it. Um, I'd suggest getting the print version of it so you've got the culture guide and you can copy it and edit it and create your own. It will be one of the simplest but yet most powerful things you do to create a culture of success for your business. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yep. Perfect. Yes. So again, Steve, you know, we've known you for a long time. We've been on this once a long time ago on, before we started the podcast back when we were just doing audio interviews, I think. You've spoken at Roundtable Summit, and we're delighted to have you here again. And we're going to have you on again someday in the yeah, near future. Thanks so much for, uh, for, for having me. You bet. Thanks, Steve. You know, I love listening to Steve. He's certainly passionate about what he believes in, isn't he? He's very he's passionate about everything. I, I think, you know, uh, business, health. Um, life, family, I mean, family. All that. Yeah, his mm-hmm. his favorite Disney princesses. Aww. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but but you know, he was talking about some really important stuff today, and you know, we know we talk all the time here about culture, not only for the culture we want to create for our members and our clients, but the culture we want here in World Headquarters. It's a it, you know, it's starting to really become obvious how central culture is to the success of a business. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had so many topics in the past nearly two years now where the conversation ends up pointing back to culture and it doesn't necessarily even start there. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's definitely the center of success in my opinion. You know, and I hope that our listeners will take this to heart because I think that many, many of us, as Steve mentioned, accept what is there by default rather than being conscious about it by design. So writing out what you want as a business owner, sharing that with your team, letting the team give you some input, but you know, driving it to be the culture you want it to be, it could make all the difference in the world for you. 
I loved how he said one of his hobbies is to collect organizations. Yeah. It's just such a a cool visual I had mm-hmm. in my head. It's not like he's actually collecting them, but he's just collecting organizations that do amazing things mm-hmm. and and so that he can you know, he can emulate, he can copy, he can he can take in inspiration from them. It it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Sort of like our uh, roundtables people, right? We get to surround ourselves with these awesome organizations yep. and learn from them and sh- help share throughout the community. It's basically it's at the cool. core of what roundtables is, right? Right. I mean, that's we didn't really even mention it because we introduced him as the author of this book, but he also runs a roundtables for um, dentists. For dentists. The Crown Council. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really cool stuff. And the law of emotion is so true. I've, I say it all the time in my marketing stuff because mm-hmm. it's everybody tries to sell on on facts and figures, but it's pulling at the heartstrings that works. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. his All right, all right. Should we should we wrap this up? Let's then? wrap it up. I, it's my birthday. I'm going to go have. Uh, a birthday party or something in my <laughs> okay. office. All right. That sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, well. All right. Well, hey, we want to thank you all for listening week in and week out. We want to thank Steve Anderson, a very busy guy that's out talking everywhere, all over the country, actually all over the world, and um, for taking the time to, to share his tidbits of insight with us. I am Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.